Guys, welcome to Riverside Community Church. My name is Brian Doback. Uh, I, I love preparing for sermons. Um, it's been such a blessing because not only do I get the privilege to teach others God's word, but every sermon I've prepared, I mean, I, I learned something about myself, and it never changes. God knows. He already knows every sermon I'm going to preach, and he knows exactly what I'm going to preach. And again, it's just a privilege to be able to preach uh, with you guys today. Um, you know, in the beginning of preparing a sermon, you know, you have this, uh, you start from scratch every time. Uh, it's like a new creation. You have a blank page in front of you, and it's like, God, what are you going to show me? What do you want to tell me? And what do you want me to tell everybody else? And the cool thing is, is half the sermon, before you even write anything on the paper, it's already done. It's about Jesus. We know it's about Jesus. Every sermon is about Jesus, in case you haven't noticed. It's all about Jesus, gospel-centered here at Riverside. Every Sunday morning, it's about Jesus. Small groups during the week, every night, it's about Jesus. So we know it's about Jesus. Half the sermon's already done before I write anything down. So really, the question is, okay, what about Jesus? What about Jesus do you want to show me so I can tell others and learn for myself? I was recently on CNN.com, and I was watching a video and on this video was uh, a fake army ranger. I don't know if there's any former, I think I know of a couple of maybe former army rangers in here. Um, this video was a fake army ranger. He had the getup. He had the camo on. He had the boots. Uh, and all of a sudden, these two guys in street clothes approach him. And again, they're in street clothes, right? And they start calling this guy out. Okay, these guys in street clothes are real army rangers. They can pick out a fake army ranger from a mile away. So they start calling out this fake army ranger, and they're like, that's not cool. Like, dude, I had, died, I had friends that died in service next to me. You're a fake army ranger. You can't be doing that. You know, he looked the part. The guy looked the part, okay? And then what was interesting was all of a sudden, like, a crowd starts to develop around these three guys. And the amazing thing is, the crowd sides with the fake army ranger, right? These guys in the street clothes, the real army rangers, they're like, no, we're the real army rangers. That guy's a fake. They didn't look the part. The fake army ranger looked the part, and they sided with the fake army ranger. Guys, Jesus, he came, he preached, he teached, he healed, and he went. God in the flesh was right in front of, right in front of their faces, right under their nose. Yet most of the people didn't even recognize him. Jesus didn't look the part. He didn't look the part. So they sided with the Pharisees, and they all end up crucifying Jesus. Guys, Jesus, he doesn't have a problem with his identity. We're the ones with the problem. We have a problem. We have an issue with his identity. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about Jesus' identity. We're going to talk about God's testimony uh, and, his, and witnessing to his identity. Uh, we're going to talk about five things about faith. We're going to have five points to help us understand today's scripture. And you see, if we're going to submit our lives to Jesus, we have to know 
one thing. It's like the foundation. It's the bedrock of Christianity. If we're going to submit our life to Jesus and give him everything we've got, we have to understand this. Jesus is God. Jesus is God. That's the bedrock of Christianity. If we don't understand that, if we don't have this foundation, then we don't have everything else. We don't have everything else. We must be sure of our foundation before we can build a house, right? This is the foundation that we're going to talk about today. Jesus is God. It's the bedrock of Christianity. The Bible proclaims it. We teach it. We preach it. Too many people don't believe it. Too many people don't believe it. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for this day, Lord. Uh, Thank you for bringing us all together under this roof. Uh, It doesn't matter what the weather is like, God. God, we just come to you uh, as one um, in unity to hear uh, your word today. And I just pray that we all have the ears to hear and the eyes to see uh, the truth of your word, God. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, if you can uh, turn to 1 John chapter 5, verses 6 through 12. Chapter 5, verses 6 through, 6 through 12 in 1 John. And actually, I think, you know, I'm going to improvise a little bit. I'm going to, uh, we're going to read also the last verse of last week's scripture that Ezra preached on. So really verse 5, it's not up there. So verse 5, it says, Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? And now we continue, starting with our scripture today. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he has borne concerning his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his son. And this is the testimony, that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. There's a lot going on in that scripture, but we're going to talk about it. So, who is Jesus? That's like the million-dollar question. Who is Jesus? My wife and I, we have had this free trial of HBO for the past like four months. It's been awesome. I have been taking advantage of it as much as I can within reason. I probably watch too many movies, but you got to take advantage of it. And some of the movies I've watched are the, the old Supermans. You remember the Christopher Reeve Supermans? The originals from the late 70s and early 80s? There's like this weird dichotomy going on in these movies, right? So, like, here's, here's this guy. He's clearly not from this world, right? But he looks human, right? He's not from this world, but he looks human. So, you know, the people are, it's, you can see what's going on in the movie. It's like, okay, like, is he Clark Kent? Or is he Superman? Is he 50% Clark Kent? Or is he 50% Superman? Is he just Superman? Or is he fully Clark Kent and fully Superman? You know, it's just like this weird dichotomy going on. 
But we're not going to explain it because Superman's fake. Okay? Jesus is real. Jesus is the real deal. So who's Jesus? You got Jesus, and then you got Christ. Christ is not his last name. Christ is the title. So you got Jesus the man, and then you got Christ. Okay? So who's Jesus the man? Jesus the man, he's a, he's a man. He was born as a baby in a manger. Uh, he hungered and thirsted. Uh, he was a carpenter. He probably sprained a few ankles. He probably jammed a few fingers, right? You jam fingers as a carpenter. You can be pretty sure that he probably jammed a few fingers, right? And then you got, and then you got Christ, okay? You got Christ. Who is Christ? Christ is the Messiah. Christ is God on our level to bring redemption and salvation to the world. Jesus Christ. So, you know, we have the same questions today. Like, is, is, okay, is he Jesus or is he God? Is he 50% Jesus? Is he 50% God? Is he just Jesus? You know, is he fully Jesus and fully God? We ask those questions, right? We ask those questions. Now, John... John's not writing this scripture, you know, for the heck of it because he felt like it. You know, John wrote this scripture because he was, he, he was trying to explain something that, that came up, uh, these heresies. You know, by the time John wrote this, most of the eyewitnesses of Jesus had died and heresies started to arise. So this heresy that he's addressing is this. So Jesus, he, he, bore, he was born... Right? The heresy saying he's born a man, and then when he was baptized, Christ came down upon him, and then during his ministry, he was Christ, and then just before his crucifixion, Christ left him, so who was crucified on the cross was just Jesus the man. That was the heresy that's going on back then. It still happens today. There's still these heresies today, and that's what we're addressing today. You see, these heretics, they couldn't digest the oneness of Jesus and God. They couldn't digest the oneness of that. They couldn't, you know, they, they couldn't allow themselves to believe that God would become human like this and subject to you know, temptation and hunger and thirst, uh, sprained ankles and jammed fingers. It just didn't make sense to them, right? But the witnesses testify that Jesus was God when he was born, they testified that he was God when he was baptized and he was God when he was crucified. Jesus is fully God, fully man. Okay? There's five points we're going to learn in today's scripture. Five points. Thanks, Sharpie. First one, God's testimony is the greatest testimony. In verses 6 through 9, we see something here. God's testimony is the greatest testimony. Now, in Old Testament times, there was, there was a law that God laid down. You know, you, you can't have one, just one witness to verify a truth claim. You had to have two or three witnesses, okay? So let's talk about, like, some of these human witnesses, okay? Who are these human witnesses? All right, you got, let's talk about John, the author of this scripture and the author of this book that we've had this sermon series in. John, a disciple of Jesus. John, he could possibly be the most complete witness we have. You know, his gospel, his four letters, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and Revelation, you know, they're all significant testimony to the identity of Jesus. Jesus, his closest friends were Peter, James, and John. 
John was the youngest of the disciples, right? So John was like, he was like Jesus' little kid brother, okay? And even at the foot of the cross, right? At the foot of the cross, Jesus was like, hey, John, can you, like, look after my mother for me? You know, I'm about to die here. I need somebody to look after my mom. And John's like, yeah. Guys, that's a serious friendship. That's a serious friendship. They were close. Even in the, in the beginning of 1 John, you read in that first verse, you know, we, we've, we've heard Jesus, we've touched him, we've walked with him. You know, these guys were with Jesus. They walked with him. Who else do we have? We have the other disciples. The other disciples. Who else? We got, we got Mary, Jesus' mother. Mary bore witness to things Jesus did. Mary worshiped Jesus as God. Last time I checked, my mom doesn't think I'm a sinless deity. <laughs> and she'd be right. <laughs> I'm far off. <laughs> Not even close. Who else? You got, you got James's brother, or you got, uh, got Jesus' brother, James, right? His, bro- his own brother, James. James bore witness to the things Jesus did. James worshiped Jesus as God. I mean, these are, they're like brothers. They grew up together. They shot fireworks together. They climbed trees. They built tree houses. They rode the skateboards together. They did all those things. They were brothers. They were bros. James bore witness to the things Jesus did. He worshiped Jesus as God. He even wrote a book about it in the book of James. Open up your Bibles sometime and read it. This is all, these are all testimonies to who Jesus is. You see, these human witnesses, they're all, they're for, your, they're for your benefit. They're for your benefit. But many, many still don't believe. You know, well, we're stubborn. We think we know it all. We think we have it all figured out. Even these human witnesses, they're not good enough for us. God knows our condition. And he knows that for many of us, no human witness will ever be good enough. There may be some of you in here sitting right now This is not good enough. But these human witnesses are for your benefit. But you know, it's cool. It's all good. John, at this time, you know, he he would have access to the Old Testament scriptures. So when he reads that one witness is not enough to verify a truth claim, you need two or three, John's like, it's all good. It's cool. You want one? I got three. And not only that, I got three and they all agree with each other. And not only that, it's God's testimony. You know, we all have testimonies about how we, meet, how we met Jesus, right? How we met Jesus and what he's done in our life, what he delivered us from. That's our testimony. God has a testimony. His testimony is what I've done for you. This is his testimony. So John gives us these three things the water, the blood, and the spirit. And we're not going to get into it too much because there's no like real consensus among scholars of what water, blood, and spirit means. So I'm not even going to get into it too much because I'm not a scholar. Um, but we are going to kind of touch on one of the most common theories. So John gives us these things. It's God's testimony. The water, the blood, and the spirit. Water uh, being the baptism Right where Jesus identified with us, where he was saying to us, I'm one of you. I need to be baptized. 
And then God, he testifies, saying, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Right? And then you got the blood, which is a, the common uh, theory is that is Jesus' death, his crucifixion. It was God who provided this sacrifice. And then you got the spirit, which is the testimony. When we believe, the spirit testifies to the identity of Jesus. Now, the only, really the only important thing in is here is that John knew what he was talking about. Even the greatest scholars in the world can't agree on what exactly he was talking about. But John knew. That's all that's important. He knew what this meant. And these things are God's testimony to us. So the testimony of God is the greatest of testimonies. It's the testimony that we must believe. We must believe. Human witnesses, you know, some of us, were just, it's not good enough. But we need to believe God's testimony. Our second point, believe and you have the testimony. Believe and you have the testimony from the beginning, the first part of verse 10. It says, whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony himself. Now, I don't know about you guys, but when I believed, this was like five years ago, when I believed, it didn't like really, it didn't really feel like anything. You know, I, it wasn't like this, oh, like, it wasn't like, a, like a, an epiphany or anything like that. I was like, yeah, I mean, I think I believe. Like, I truly, genuinely thought I believed. Uh, but, yeah, I just, you still, like, you don't know. You know what I mean? But hindsight's twenty twenty, and, like, looking back at it now, <laughs> God was working. The spirit was churning inside, deep, under layers and layers of sin, under layers of pride and, and hard-heartedness. The spirit was churning. And as I grew in the word, I, I kept reading scripture. I kept submitting the best that I could to Jesus, moment by moment, day by day, week by week, month by month. And before, I, before you know it, the spirit, it begins testifying. It begins welling up. And it begins testifying and affirming your faith, your belief, right? And probably one of the biggest things was it started expanding my heart and breaking down barriers. And for me personally, the most noticeable thing was just my ability to like, love the unlovable. Now, I'm not saying I have perfect love for people, but you know, just, you're just sitting there watching the news and all the, you, know, you, see, you see the strife going on in the world. You see the murderers, the rapists, the abusers. And, you know, my old self would be like, what a bunch of idiots. Like, there's a special place in hell for them, right? And then all of a sudden, like, my heart is just, it's just, it's taken like a 180. It's like, gosh, like, it just makes me sad. You know, like, compassion, not this, like, hate, but this compassion just starts welling up in me. You know, I just, I want them to know God's love. I want them to hear the gospel, those people need to be loved, you know, not hated, right? That's, that's probably the most noticeable thing that, I, that, that happened with me personally. That's the spirit testifying and, and changing my heart. That's gospel love. Gospel love. It's loving the unlovable because God loves the unlovable. 
It's feeling how God feels, seeing what God sees, and hearing what He hears. So when you believe, you will receive the testimony of the Spirit, and it will begin to affirm your faith. But you got to be patient. There may be some of you in here right now, you're like, I believe, but I just, I don't, I don't, I'm not feeling it. Stay in the Word. Keep submitting moment by moment to Jesus. And it will begin to affirm your faith. Because the same Spirit, this is awesome, the same Spirit that was in Jesus is the same Spirit in us. How cool is that? The same Spirit in Him is the same Spirit in us and now resides in us. And before you know it, we begin growing into a living and breathing testimony of God, a walking testimony of God. But this testimony, it won't live inside of us if we don't believe. If we don't have faith, we won't receive this testimony. Third point, from the second part of verse 10, take God's word for it. It says, whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his son. That's a convicting verse right there. Yeah, you got like, we got these networks, right? The networks like report the news to us and we can't really, we can't believe everything that we read and see nowadays. You know, you have to consider the source. You got to consider the source these days. You see all these posts on Facebook of fake stuff and a lot of times, like, we believe it just because it's on there, but then when you research it a little, like, it's like, oh, it's fake. You see it every day. So when considering the good news of the gospel, God wants you to consider the source. He wants you to consider the source. That's him. Consider the source. That's him. So the question isn't necessarily, do I believe the good news of the gospel? That is a question you have to answer, but you can take it even deeper you can take it even deeper. You ask, do I believe God when he testifies to the good news of the gospel? Do I believe God? Forget me. Forget me. Forget the human witnesses. This isn't between you and me. This isn't between you and John. This isn't between you and anybody else. This is between you and God. No pressure. (laughs) If there's anything we learn in all of Scripture, if you're reading your Bible, if there's anything we learn in all of Scripture, it's that God is true to His Word. God is true to His Word. Another movie I watched during our free HBO trial was the movie John Q. I'm sure maybe you've seen John Q. I think it's like 10 years old, but it's a cool movie. It's got Denzel Washington. I like Denzel. Denzel's my man. So, you know, his son in the movie needs a heart transplant. And Denzel, by the end of the movie, he's like, you know what, I'm just going to donate my heart to my kid. And so before he goes into the surgery room to donate his heart, he, he goes to his son and just to give him some words of advice, you know, before he goes in there and dies. And one of his pieces of advice is, your word is your bond. Your word is your bond. You always keep your promises. What comes out of your mouth, you hold to it. You always keep your promises. If you don't mean it, don't say it. 
Your word is your bond. God's word is his bond. He keeps his promises. He stays true to his word. So, you know, do I believe that God is true to his word? You got to ask yourself that question. If he's telling me eternal life is in Christ, if, he, if he's telling me Jesus is the son of God here, do I believe him? And if you don't, <laughs> then you're calling God a liar. It's between you and God. That's a tough verse right there. But we need to hear those things. We need to hear those things. Fourth point. There is no path to God. There is no path to God. Okay? My grandfather used to take me camping when I was a little kid. And I don't know if you've ever gone to, like, a, you know, you're at a camping site or, like, a hiking trail place, and there's, like, a big board with a map of, like, you know, the surroundings with where things are. And, you know, you got, like, this part here, like, this thing that says, you are here, right? And then you look for where you want to go and say, like, the cafeteria is the goal. So here's the cafeteria. You are here. And then between the goal and that, it's, like, all these different little paths that you can take to get to the goal. Well, that's not how this is. <laughs> Just trying to put a little picture in your minds. That's not how this is. The world will tell you that there are many different paths to God. Many different paths. In fact, the world will tell you you can customize your own path. <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> That's wrong. <laughs> That's wrong. There's not many different paths to God. You can't customize your own path to God. In fact, there is no path. That's one of the things Jesus is trying to tell you. There is no path. So John says here, and this life is in his son. It doesn't say, and this life is in your works, or this life is in your rituals, or in your traditions. The son, Jesus himself, this life is in his son. There's no path to God. You see, it's not a path that you take in the sense of like there being a road where you're the driver and you're doing the things that you need to do to get there. That's not how it works. There's no path to God that you can take. It's a person. It's a person that takes you for the ride. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So when he's saying his Son, he means Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Not Jesus the man. Jesus the Son of God. Jesus the Christ. That's eternal life. Because Jesus, he vouches for us. He represents us. This is him taking us along for the ride. He vouches for us. He represents us. He pays the cover at the door to get us in right? And he pays for it with his blood. He pays for it with his blood. Fifth point. Eternal life starts now. From verse 12. Whoever has the son of life, ooh, whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. Eternal life starts right now. 
The scripture doesn't say, whoever has the son will have life. Future tense. It says, whoever has the son of God has life. Present tense. Folks, when you believe Jesus is son of God, (laughs) eternal life starts right there. You don't wait until you die. That's not when eternal life starts. It starts right now, right in your seat. I don't know about you, but when I leave these doors today, that's where my joy is going to come from, man. This is one of the things, you know, God taught me in in this scripture for this sermon. Eternal life starts right now. It's like, it's like, you know, when you find out you're pregnant, you know, parenthood doesn't start when that baby is finally born. Parenthood starts the moment you find out you're pregnant because you get this joy inside of you. My goodness, we're going to have a child. And you begin to start (laughs) acting like a parent, you know, preparing to be a parent. Parenthood starts right there, not when the baby's finally born. It's the same thing for adoptive parents. Parenthood doesn't start when that baby is finally in your arms. Parenthood starts the day when you get that call saying you've been approved for an adoption. Parenthood starts right there. Eternal life starts now. When you believe Jesus is the Son of God, eternal life starts. You have entered eternal life. Believe that. This should impact every area of our life. This joy. It should impact every area of our life, our obedience, our sacrificial giving of our time, our resources, loving the unlovable, forgiving the unforgivable, displays of grace and mercy within our church, within our family, within our friends, with, within our marriages, with our spouses. That's joy right there. You see, Jesus was God when he was born, he was God when he was baptized, and he was God when he was crucified. If he wasn't fully man, he couldn't represent us as one of us, right? And truly pay for our sins. If he wasn't fully God, if he wasn't fully God, the sacrifice wouldn't be sufficient. The sacrifice wouldn't be sufficient. And there will be no resurrection power behind it. Jesus is fully God and fully man. Jesus, he wasn't the first to be baptized. And he wasn't the last either. Jesus wasn't the first to be crucified. And he wasn't the last to be crucified. So why Jesus? What's so special about his baptism? Why is his crucifixion so special? Why has the world been different ever since Jesus walked the earth? Why didn't somebody else's baptism or somebody else's crucifixion change the world? Why was it Jesus that changed the world? Because he was God. Because he is God. 
God's testimony is the greatest testimony. Believe and you have the testimony. Take God's word for it. God's word is his bond. His word is his bond. There is no path to God. There's no path to God that you can take. It's a person that takes you. Jesus says, I am the way. Not that little thing you're trying to do to to get to God. Me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And eternal life starts right now. When you believe Jesus is the Son of God, eternal life, you have entered it. You have entered eternal life. I'm going to end on this. One of my favorite episodes in the Gospels is this episode where Jesus is chilling with the disciples. I actually think they're going for a walk. Um, So they're going for a walk and they're talking and Jesus is like, who do people say that I am? Who do people say that I am, he asks them. And the disciples answer, John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. Others say a great prophet. Guys, we say similar things today. He was a good teacher. He was a moral man. He was a prophet. And then Jesus is like, it gets personal now. He's like, okay, cool. Don't worry about them, though. Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And Peter, the rock, Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus is asking you today, every day, (laughs) who do you say that I am? Because your answer is the difference maker. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, we just humbly come before you, God, and we praise you for your nurturing and your blessing and your love and your grace and your mercy, God. God, your testimony is the greatest of testimonies. Teach us to believe, God. Just put it on our hearts. Break down those barriers for us to believe and receive your testimony, God. Teach us to take your word for it. It's between us and you, God, and that's it, and nobody else. Teach us to take your word for it. Teach us to soak in and absorb the fact that when we believe in you, that eternal life starts now, God. That is a gift. That is a privilege, God, and we thank you for this. And I pray this... In the name of Jesus, amen.